Hey guys, thanks for rejoining us on the Let's Talk podcast. On today's episode, we spoke to Mr. Michael Thorsland. He's a superintendent of an entire school county, and we had the privilege to speak to him about advancing in education, how the education system works, and some things that would be needed for it to be changed. In America, we still talk about the American dream and not not taking away opportunities from any of our students. We want all of our students to be able to go to college and, and kind of accomplish the American dream. I hope that all of you guys enjoy this episode and remember to never stop learning. Welcome back, everyone, to the Let's Talk podcast. I'm your co-host, Cameron Williams. And I'm your other co-host, Timothy Edwards. And today we're joined by Mr. Michael Thorsland. He is a public school district superintendent. He oversees about, he said, 10,000 students, 16 schools in this county. That's correct. That's really great. Well, thank you for being, yes, being on with us Thank day. you very much, sir. Happy to be here. Yeah. So if you could give, we just want you to really share kind of your story, what you think is uh, pertinent to this kind of, we just want to hear the other side of the education system, I think. Sure. That'd be yeah. really cool. Sure. Uh, a little bit about myself. I'm a math teacher. That's awesome. what I went to college for initially in the early 90s and taught high school math for a number of years and um, was married and it's, um, wanted a family yeah. and knew that it was, was going to be tough to support a family on a teacher salary, to be perfectly honest, because mm-hmm. my wife and I had um, kind of decided we'd like to be able to be at home. So I pursued administration, became a high school assistant principal, high school principal, mm-hmm. uh, and then assistant superintendent. And I've been the superintendent for the last five years uh, in the county I work. So a very traditional path to the superintendency. And it's a, yeah, education's a great field, a good, good place to work. Uh, if you are a people person, yeah. like to influence um, young minds, it, it was, uh, I, you know, have fond memories of my time in the classroom and coaching. I worked with a school club that was important to me, so built strong relationships with students. Uh, as I have progressed in my career and changed jobs, I have gotten further from the students. I certainly miss that part, hmm. uh, but I have more of an effect. You know, when I was a teacher, I might have had yeah. 100 students in my classes. Now I supervise 10,000 students. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's been a, a great career. I've been at it um, 26 years now. That's great. Wow. Congratulations. And, um, That's cool. It's, uh, it's been over two decades. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. That is awesome. I love to um, hear you just talking, saying you love what you do. That's that's just yeah, true. That, that's the whole premise them. of this podcast. We only like to talk to people who absolutely love what they do. Yeah, and I've got a. Um, I've been very blessed to be in a great um, area of the country. We have a very supportive school board. I think a lot of times superintendents can struggle if they don't see eye to eye with their school board. Mm-hmm. You know, school board elections generally happen every two years, so mm-hmm. board boards can change yeah. um, quickly, but we've been very fortunate here um, just having supportive board members who who make decisions that are in the best interest of students, and I feel very supportive as, as their superintendent, so it's been a very, very good situation for me. That's I see. Awesome. I wanted um, to see real quick, 
I have no idea kind of how the structure works. Like, how do you work with, because you have to work with the government, obviously. Mm -hmm. So how does this... Talking with someone earlier today about that a little bit, and it's not completely unlike the federal government and the states. Okay. So in the in the federal government, there are certainly federal laws, federal yeah. statutes that everybody in the United States has to follow. But then there are also differences within states, you know, what happens in one state may be a little different from what happens in another Absolutely. state. It's similar in the public school world, at least in South Carolina. Uh, there are certainly South Carolina rules and regulations that all school districts in our state have to follow, but they do give uh, some flexibility so that local school boards can make decisions uh, about what's best for their county. That's really okay. cool. So, so it's kind of like, uh, like you were saying, the United States government, like you have sure. the federal government that makes laws, but states can make its own yeah, laws and things like that. There are certain things, uh, I guess it was designed that if it's in the Constitution, it's a federal responsibility, and yeah. I believe it's the Tenth Amendment maybe that says if, um, if something's not in the Constitution, then that is a power relegated to the state. So it's not completely unlike that in yeah. school districts. You know, we have some ability to set our own policies make our own rules but then there are other things that we have to follow that the state legislature outlines for us or the state board of education that's awesome how do you kind of because i i don't really know how it works either with teachers how do they kind of ah, i'm trying to think how do you like how do they apply for the job how do they transfer to other places how does that kind of work? yeah so a teacher the traditional path to becoming a teacher would be going to a college and a, a college of education yeah, and getting a degree that would give you a teaching certificate yeah. upon completion of that degree. And that's still what most teachers do because there are shortages of teachers in certain subject areas. There have increasingly become alternate pathways into teaching. Mm -hmm. uh, in, um, in South Carolina, we have several. Yeah. We have one called PACE um, and there's a national program called ABCTE, okay. which is essentially if you have a four-year degree mm -hmm. and you take a test and you pass the test, then you get a national you can be a teacher. So, so there That's are cool. increasingly alternate ways, I guess, to get into education. Yeah, okay. uh, that that is something that would be reserved to be a state power, though. For the most part, the yeah. state mm -hmm. says if you're going to teach in South Carolina, here's what you have to do. One of these one of these paths okay. uh, but then of course as the district we have flexibility in who we get to hire uh, uh, excuse me so we can interview that's anyone who's certified and then we get to pick who we want to hire and that kind of cool thing. so there's a nice there's a nice check and balance there yeah. sure yeah, that's as a cool. question of like what responsibility comes with being a you know superintendent yeah like there has to be yeah kind of um, going from managing you said 100 students you know being a teacher to going to 10,000 plus you know yeah Oh. Uh, but there are a lot of people in our school district. We have 1,500 employees wow. to, to um, Help supervise out. those 10,000 <laughs> students. And that, that there are 800, 850 teachers, something like that. Mm -hmm. But then you don't think about all the other people that it takes to run a school district. We have probably 100 members of our custodial staff. We have approximately 100 bus drivers. You know, administrators, we're probably around 60 to 65. Secretaries, we're probably in that 60 to 65 range. Wow. So they're just a lot of people That's that cool. it takes to run a school district. And um, my job is to supervise a team. I, I 
I guess, directly supervise the principals. So we have 16 schools, so each of those principals uh, is my responsibility to hire good people to run the schools. Mm -hmm. And we, we're blessed with wonderful people. Uh, so we, it's, I think people, most people I talk to naturally think, oh, you're the superintendent, you've got this really, really hard job. And, and there's a lot of responsibility, but if you're working with good people, um, it's not, it's, it's not as hard as it could be. That's cool. I guess, and, and we've got really good people in my county. I guess um, what what issues are brought up to you then? Because you know you're not like the type of person that had, has to take time out of their day if a guy, if a kid gets detention for skipping class or something. You oh, know, that's right. Like that, like what kind of responsibilities yeah. get to you? It's it's kind of like the president. Like the sure. president doesn't handle sure. what's going on in Anderson, South Carolina. Mm -hmm. You know, one of like, the one of the things I learned from my previous boss yeah. uh, when I was assistant superintendent I worked for a wonderful superintendent um, one of the things I learned from him was to try to stay connected to the classroom so he did this and, and I've continued it but I go to each of our 16 schools once each semester just for the purpose of going in classrooms and observing students and teachers so I do that so that's 30 well, with a career center and, and an alternative school that ends up being 36 visits a year so I, I do spend some time in the classroom just to try to make sure I um, stay current with what's going on yeah. and, and just see the conditions in our schools and things like that so that does that takes a, a fair amount of time I spend a lot of times in meetings I mean, I'm just going yes I, I do I go to Columbia once a month for a meeting with all the superintendents we have a principals meeting once a month generally where all of our school principals come to the district office and we we have you know probably a half a day long meeting uh, and then I have various other meetings in my schedule yeah. so I do spend a lot of time in meetings and just staying informed it's my job uh, the school board we have a five-member school board here and they hire me I'm, I'm their one employee and then it's my job to administer all their policies and procedures to run the school district so they charge me with making recommendations to them on which principals to hire which teachers to hire and of course i rely on a lot of other people yeah to make those recommendations to the school board but um, i am the direct liaison between our schools and the the five people that govern our schools because uh, ultimately i yeah i have the title of superintendent but the school board yeah. the elected body and that's something we enjoy in america that all citizens get to elect the people that govern them and, and even the, lo the local schools we elect our five school board members and then they hire me yeah. and if the public ever became upset with me they talk to the school board and the school board can make a change just like yeah, that I like that it's, it's literally checks so, and balances it is go. yeah we've we've definitely got checks and balances because um, and like i said i've been very fortunate in that I have gotten along very, very well with our school board. They're great people, um, in it for the right reasons, and um, we've we've um, worked together very well. So it's been a good situation. Awesome. We wanted to see a little bit. What do you think about the schools, and not just here? I mean, I guess kind of talking more of like a national sort of thing is. Do you think we're like keeping up with technology, and we're kind of keeping up yeah. with the times because things are really changing a lot now? Yeah. And I don't know if that exactly fits under, you know, sure. the exact things you can do. But do you think we're... Yeah, to the best of our ability, of course. Yeah. Schools, for the most part, um, public schools, K through 12, are not 
very often on the cutting edge of technology because of the expense associated with that. Yeah. However, we do try to stay current, as current as most families would just in their homes. Yeah. Uh, You know, as far as having computers, having technology that you are accustomed to using every day. So in our district, um, you know, we, we give a computer device to every student that they take home and use, and our teachers put assignments on the computer and different things like that. So we're, we're um, again, as up-to-date as, as a com- most common families would be. Yeah. Now, we're not out there in virtual reality and <laughs> yeah, artificial right. intelligence. You know, we may touch on the periphery of those things, but we don't have the funding, nor, um, in a lot of cases, the expertise to do that yeah. wholesale. That's more of a, um, more of, places students go in college, you know, yeah. to learn the, the cutting edge things. When it becomes right. mainstream, it, it pretty much yeah. um, integrates into our school system. Yeah. Okay. That's, go ahead. Uh, no, I, I was just saying, like, um, of course, I, I can completely understand that, especially with the, uh, the expense yeah. part of it, because technology obviously is really expensive. Right. You can't buy you know, iPads for every single student, new student yeah. that comes in and say, hey, right. here you go, go home. Yeah, we we right. use Chromebooks in our district yeah. as our device of choice because they cost a couple hundred bucks. Right. Um, you know, if you, if you bought you know, MacBooks for every student or, right. you know, then it, <laughs> They'd it, be sitting it, on the floor. It, it would become <laughs> pretty expensive. Yeah. Cost prohibitive for sure. And you mentioned earlier about colleges where they go for more of those cutting edge kinds of things. Would you say college readiness is something that the K through 12 system, do you think that's something that they're really focusing on? Um, I guess like well enough, or do you think we could do a better job of that? Yeah, college readiness is certainly something that is a very important educational issue. Yeah. And, you know, I guess selfishly I want to say we do a good job. But if you look at standardized tests, and there's certainly room for improvement yeah. um, in South Carolina across most districts. Matter of fact, across most states. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's something that, that we need to improve on. I guess the, the thing that I would say that has happened in America over the last, let's say, 50, 60 years that has made public education very difficult is the breakdown of the family. I was... Um, in schools, you know, probably in the 50s, 60s, maybe even 70s, um, most kids had a mom and dad at home, yeah. brothers yeah. and sisters, kind of had a support network at the house. Yep. If they had a, trouble with their homework, there was somebody there to help them, somebody yeah. to encourage them. Today, that's just not the case. There are, there are students who um, have very, very dysfunctional families and they don't have the support network. Yeah. Um, after school hours. So it's caused public schools to take on many things that they didn't have to take on years ago. Yeah. We were talking with a, a group a couple of weeks ago about, you know, you just go 20 years back and there are approximately, let's say, 40 to 50 employees in our district that would have never even had jobs 20 years ago because those jobs didn't exist at schools. Wow. So we used to not have nurses at our schools. Yeah, uh, yeah, I knew that. Now every school has a nurse. Yeah, because so many kids don't have access to health care outside of school. We have a nurse to help students. Uh, 
we have every school with a school resource officer now. Twenty years ago, schools didn't have right. police yeah. officers in you their schools, need one. and now, um, really, more than anything, for just the community comfort to feel protected, to feel like their students are protected. Yeah, we have a police officer at every school. Mental health counselors is yeah. another. We never had mental health counselors in schools when I was growing up, but now we have uh, 10 positions in our district for mental health counselors. So those are, you know, that's, that's 42 employees in our school district whose jobs have just come about in the last 20 years. That's crazy. And, uh, as, as society changes, a lot of times people expect the public school to take care of that. Yeah. Right. And uh, yeah. it just makes our organization bigger and more people and, and quite honestly more expensive to run. So one of the one of the problems with the increasing cost for public education is the increased expectation for services. Yeah. So like the expectations are increasing and the costs are increasing but the sure. funds aren't increasing at all. So are you getting pretty much you would I mean I guess they are increasing steadily but they're not they increasing are. at the rate that would really cause the change that's needed. Yeah, and some, some people would argue that it's not. Um, we're in a pretty good financial situation where I work, mm -hmm. so we um, generally are able to meet our, our budgetary um, needs. But certainly across different areas of our state and country, funding for public education is, is a challenge when there's not much industry and uh, yeah. you know, just not much economic activity in, a, in an area. It makes it hard for taxes to be raised to, to fund education because it is expensive. I think most school districts across our country have passed the $10,000 per student range. Yeah. And that's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. Especially and, uh, how many students? I didn't even know that. And that's, is that K through 12 or is that just? That's like, K through 12. So yes, so our budget in the county I work is over $100 million. Wow, so K through 12, you're expected to spend $10,000. I mean, I'm not saying you, yes, but you know, but that's yeah, a like ballpark, like number. roughly speaking, if and you there are average. districts that might spend 13000 14000 a student. And there, there, there's some that are probably still in that seven, yeah. $8,000 range too, but <laughs> it has become very expensive. But part of the reason for that is the, the societal expectations that school districts do things like have a police officer, have a nurse, have, yeah. you know, those kinds of things. That's what yeah. That's just society dictates that. And, yeah. And we respond to it and, and do the best we can. And you can't please everyone because there's certainly still a lot of people in our community that would say, you don't need those people. You don't need this. Yeah. Um, but then there are others who say, no, if I'm sending my kid to school, they're gonna, right. th there's going to be an SRO there, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. So, I was so, going to say that about the family, like you were saying, is, um, it's it's almost like this kind of mad cycle right there that it's it's obviously government schooling so they really expect certain things for their kids but at the same time like schools used to be local like I mean schoolhouses in the west you know I think of Little House on the Prairie or some junk like that and there's like 20 kids and everybody knows each other and then one of the kids becomes the teacher you know and then there's just that continuation yeah. but there's something to that there where they were learning real stuff about real life in the family and sure. in that real life experience and learning sure. in education. So yeah, and it, it's definitely it's, a parent's job to be the first teacher and the primary yeah. teacher throughout a, a like student's that. life. Yeah. But unfortunately a lot of parents have relinquished that role. Yeah. And expect yeah. the schools to take care of everything. And that, that makes it hard because when a 
public school teacher, well, a Christian school teacher, private school teacher for that yeah. matter, when they have to serve as mom, counselor, yeah, you know, then, then it's harder to just be teacher and, and teach the content that they're supposed to. So that, yeah, that's that's probably the biggest challenge. And and yeah, schools have changed. You know, in South Carolina, we've got schools that are still small. You know, probably less than a hundred students, but then we've got high schools with 4,000 students yeah. in them as well. Yeah. Right. Uh, and it's much like society, you know, 60 years ago, you'd drive through town and there'd be three or four <laughs> small hardware yeah. stores. Well, now you got Lowe's or Home Depot yeah. and Ace. all the small ones are <laughs> exactly. out of business. So it, it's not completely unlike that in education where we've consolidated a lot of our smaller schools into larger schools just for expense yeah. matter of fact one of my biggest challenges since I've been superintendent is was closing a high school we had a high school that was um, grade 6 through 12 and it had fewer than 250 students mm-hmm. and it was it was uh, two things it was expensive because yeah. to just offer a minimal program there we had to have a certain number of teachers and a certain number of administrators yeah. and you know, a fairly robust staff for such a small school, so it was much more expensive to educate students at that school than at our other larger schools. But then the second thing was the the course offerings for those students at the high school was so small. You know, they just didn't have the opportunity yeah. for the diverse courses for the advancement they needed. Yes, yes. very yeah. few AP courses. Just not as much of a selection, like, you know, in the science curriculum, for example. They may have physical science, biology, and chemistry, but they I, may not have anatomy or environmental science or, you know, biology two or those courses yeah. that many of our other students got to take. So we made the decision to recommend to the school board to close the school, and the board voted to do it. And that was probably one of the biggest challenges I've, I've faced as superintendent, but it was it was necessary in our in our changing society, both yeah. to give those students a better opportunity to learn, but also to save money. Right. Mm-hmm. I was about to ask, because um, there's still high schools out there that don't offer STEM programs, you know, and STEM is huge nowadays. You know, you want that science and that mm-hmm. computer, the engineering, like math, even if you don't want to pursue a degree in that, it's still, it's still knowledgeable to have that. Like, if you have a computer science backing degree nowadays, they'll take you anywhere. Right. Kind of like how a... Uh, I, almost like how a degree from Harvard back in the 80s or 70s right. or 60s would take you anywhere. So with that, I just had to ask, like, what are some things that you would like to see taught in yeah. the education system that's not taught now? Now, we, you could, we could either go broad with this or we can go narrow because, like, obviously in America, certain things are taught because certain schools are closer to colleges yeah. and certain schools sure. are rural. Like, yeah. So I guess I'll just let you go where you yeah. want to go. Like, and, and I'm going to give you uh, largely opinion here. So <laughs> I'll just you know state that up front. But in America, uh, we still talk about the American dream and not, not taking away opportunities from any of our students. We want all of our students to be able to go to college and, and kind of yeah. accomplish the American dream. Yeah. Uh, that's not what we see even in Europe. Uh, In Europe, most countries start segregating students earlier, and and I'm just gonna be honest, uh, by academic ability. Mm -hmm. So if you want to go to a four-year high school that's on the track to go to a college, you have to score certain scores. And if you don't, you may go to a trade high school where you're gonna go and you're gonna, instead of taking pre-calculus and honors English, you're going to take things 
that are going to help you get a job in an an industrial facility or something like that. We, in America, we offer that training. So we have a career center in our county where students can go learn to get a, you know, a welding degree, for example, or something like that. Trade. But we don't, a lot of times in public schools, we don't want to counsel students to go that way because we feel like we're selling them short. Yeah. You know, that they're going to come back and say, why didn't you tell me I couldn't go to college? (laughs) Yeah. So um, I would argue that we probably need to emphasize more um, just the working with your hands. Not everybody's gifted academically. Not everybody needs a four-year degree. Yeah. Uh, We need um, the, the vast majority of jobs in America right now are in that area between no high school education and four-year degree they're in that some training beyond high school whether that's provided by provided by your employer or you go to a community college and and get that training or technical school Um, so it's that that's probably something we need to do a better job in america of is identifying students strengths and weaknesses seventh grade eighth grade ninth grade and then counseling them about, you know, here's where your strengths lie. Here's what we see your ability. And, and if that's working with your hands and and welding or, you know, doing some type of electrical job, that's not a bad thing. Those are great careers. Get a good salary, raise a family and, and be very successful in jobs like that. So we, I don't know. For some reason, we, I guess it's like that just about anything, though. We, yeah. We value education and, you know. Yeah, I was about to say, because you said it's, it's really not a bad thing, but we've almost put that, like, like yeah, you said you're almost selling them short, but it's yeah. not. It's like if you actually enjoy it, it's not selling you if short. That's what at you're all. good at. Yeah. And that's what you enjoy doing. Yeah. Then we should encourage people to do that. And so know? it's not like a race. It's like, it depends no, on the individual. Yeah, that's all about self awareness. You know, sure. what do you want out of life? No, you know, what's, what's the, it's literally your American dream. It's not society's American right. dream for you. And we certainly want cool. to build good citizens who are going to, you know, get a job that, that supports our society and, and, and contributes to society. Makes it better for the next Makes round. Makes it better for <laughs> anyone else. Yeah. Um, but I, I think we probably emphasize four-year schools beyond high school a little bit too much yeah. uh, and neglect maybe some of the other very important, valuable careers that people can pursue. Right. And even if you want to learn something, you can learn something online for free nowadays, like just about anything, and, and employers will take that. Um, yeah, I, I was, I'm not even going to ask this question. I was going to ask if you could snap your fingers and instantly change something, but you pretty much answered that. Yeah. You know, that, okay. that America needs to, like, calm down a little bit on the four-year and, like, and, like people decide yeah. what they want. Yeah, I mean, if I could instantly um, change something, it would be the, the situation of the family in America. That I think that's, that's not necessarily just an education problem. It's a societal problem, but yeah. it does make k-12 education much more difficult mm-hmm. when students have, don't have the support network at home that that they had a few generations ago yeah. do you have any more questions no i think i, that's... I just i just have one more asking, yeah. Yeah. um I, my last question to you sir and thank you again for allowing us this time um what do, would you say would be needed for a radical change in the education system and do you think that a small team with the right idea can do it that was 
that's why that's why like like what what do you think would be needed for a radical change in the education system like a whole 180 360 720 and do you think that a small team like a small driven team with the right idea and the right technology at the right time could do it Um, certainly a small team could change a school community I don't know that I'd say a small team could change the the country's education system or a state's education system but yeah, I think there are examples in many places where a specific teacher or a specific principal has come in and changed the culture of a building and, and really improved the outcomes for students. Um, so yeah, there are certainly individuals who have unique gifts and, and abilities that can, that can change, change the culture in a school building. Again, I think you know the larger picture you get, the more difficult it is for a yeah, person or a small group of people to do that. But, right. but um, it's what we want to strive for. We want to, we all want to see students uh, grow and mature, and uh, learn what they need to, to learn to be successful in our society. And what would you say is like the thing that would be needed for that radical change? Like that, that would it be? Wow. A different way of learning would it be a you know something that's completely yeah, that's, that's not something I think is is very important you'll hear a lot of people say that kids are different today and yes they have different toys that they play they play with phones now instead of the toys they played with from yeah. generations ago but but good teaching 50 years ago is probably still really good teaching today I've been in teachers classrooms even in today's society, and it's primarily lecture-based, and it's wonderful. Yeah. Uh, because there's some people that are just gifted that way. There are other people that use modern technology and make their class more interesting, and that's great. But I still say good teaching is good teaching. It takes a teacher who loves his or her students, cares about them, has a good grasp of their content, and just wants their students to succeed. And you know that that teacher is going to be successful no matter which generation they're teaching in. Just transcends generations. Yeah, sure. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Well, that's really cool. Yeah. Uh, that, that's my last. Thank you, sir, again for joining us. I greatly appreciate it. Happy um, to do it. <laughs> I'm your co-host, Kayla Williams, and I'm your co-host, Timothy Edwards. I hope all of you have a great year.